from the Salvation Army National Headquarters, this is the Fight for Good podcast. Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Fight for Good podcast. I'm your host, Lieutenant Colonel Tim Foley, broadcasting from our studios here at the Salvation Army National Headquarters in Alexandria, Virginia. With me today is our War Cry Editorial Director, the illustrious, the one and only, the wise old Al, Jeff McDonald. Who I should should I hoot? Uh, thank you, thank you, Colonel Foley. It's great to be with you, and we are networked and ready to go. It's great to hear you, sir. Again, to our listeners, uh, we are I think now month six or seven. I've I've lost track mm. of uh, how how long we've been doing this uh, remote, uh, but we are recording our fifty fourth episode today under the great tutelage, leadership, and amiable, uh, dove-like person that she is, our producer, Elizabeth. Hello. That was so kind of you. Well, you know. She whiz. You, you can pay me a silver nickel tomorrow. It'll be, uh, be all right. It's, it's all true. It's to you in the mail. <laughs> it's all true. Well, today is a very special podcast I think we need to start coming up with a different phrase. What do you think? We could probably wordsmith something mm. and say something different than very special. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. What? How would you describe this particular episode, Jeff? How would mm-hmm. you say? How would How would you do the intro? Uh, I, I'd say a, a, an inside look at the humanity of the Salvation Army's international leaders. Ooh. Whoa. In, inside look. I think that... The pedals would would like that. And we are so fortunate that we had the opportunity to interview General Bryan and Commissioner Rosalie Petal uh, for our podcast. We had a wonderful time with them. In fact, we've made Elizabeth's job very difficult with this because uh, we went way over our allotted time. The pedals were very gracious in uh, granting us um, uh, our our answers to our questions and other things that kind of came up in, in the discussion. So Elizabeth, you've been able to whittle this down into two, two podcasts, correct? Two wonderful episodes. I'm so excited about them. I think the biggest thing of our listeners would, would maybe get a chuckle out of was when we were trying to set this up, we use this software uh, called Zencaster and uh, Zencaster is, is, um, like one of many platforms that's out there, you know, and we found this is affordable and works for us really well, but they're starting to come up with uh, beta testing for video podcasting. And I guess when the general, correct me if I'm wrong, but when the, the general was trying to log in, they kept trying to log in to the, the, to the video side of things. Yes. I, I think so. It kept prompting them to give them their information. They couldn't get the video to work. And they were logging in and we could hear them, but they couldn't hear us. And we're like in the queue to get the video testing. What are we? We're at 31,216 or something. That's exactly correct. Yeah. (laughs) That's how many podcasters are before us. So we, 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 uh, Elizabeth usually handles all of our technical stuff. And if we have any kind of problem. And so 
you put in the chat your phone number and it was so cute because he called he called your number and then what happened he said you're not tim (laughs) (laughs) i love that you're not tim so it was was kind of fun but jeff uh we just had a a really good chat in a a good i'm I'm just i'm really excited about these two podcasts and i think our listeners will will get it uh will be really really blessed by it i do i mean they're very conversational, the pedals, and um, very <clears throat> down to earth. And yet, they talk about so many interesting ideas and themes and experiences that I, w- I think would um, our listeners will enjoy, and also lead to further thought and possible publication ideas. Well, Commissioner Rosalie Pedal is the world president of Women's Ministries, and General Brian Pedal is the 21st General of the Salvation Army. And they joined us uh, from their location in London, England on a, on a wonderful um, afternoon. And so we hope you enjoy our conversation with the pedals. Well, we're, we, we really thank both of you for taking some time uh, out of out of your schedules. I know your schedule is kind of a unique thing. You were uh, we're going to pry a little bit here. You were sharing uh, a, a little bit of how COVID is uh, affected the rhythm and routine at IHQ. So you were saying that today, the day that we're broadcasting is on a Wednesday. It's a deep clean day at mm. IHQ. Yeah, our staff is slowly returning and we have uh, a COVID compliant building, but it means that we have to change significant behavior patterns. And one of those is about how we behave in the building. And uh, we've decided to do our very best for our staff, which means they're only working limited times, but on Wednesday, middle of the week, uh, we try and leave the building open. The cleaners just go at it with uh, frenzy, and we call it Deep Clean Day. So we work from home that day, everybody, and deep clean our own places. <laughs> okay, say deep yeah. cleaning home. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and that's not because, I mean, I've been to IHQ a few times. It's a pretty clean building. Oh, it's a it very, is. very spot. It's a beautiful building in a wonderful location in London, and I know you're blessed with that, but it's interesting because, you know, um, as we have been covering uh, the past six months, uh, what what COVID is, has meant to the work of the Salvation Army here in America and also extended because of our uh, interest in the, the worldwide work of the Salvation Army, there's a, there's a lot of pivoting that's having to go on. And mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine what, what this, tr- this time has been like for, for both of you. You had a pretty hectic travel schedule and you were, uh, you know, scheduled out to speak at all kinds of different things. And now it's your home on a Wednesday and <laughs> you're, you're pretty much not, not going anywhere. We assume at this point. That's yes, correct. Yes. We uh, walked uh, away from IHQ on March 20, uh, very unaware of what the implications were at that time. And since then, we've not only seen our our travel schedule suspended, we've seen our ministry uh, amongst our team uh, have to shift in the way that we relate together. 
And yet we have never seen a time in our leadership whereby our leadership is critical to the efficiency of the army. How, how have you kind of adjusted like mentally and spiritually and even emotionally in, in this time? It, it's been challenging. It's been challenging for us. Um, when we walked away from IHQ, we could not even imagine we would have all this time. I think we thought, oh, it's a short, a short time. It's good to be home in London. Uh, we'll stay and do what we like to do and, and enjoy it. But it's, it's been a long, it's been long. And uh, it's been difficult for us in many ways. Emotionally, the fact that we, we can't travel and also that we can't uh, uh, visit family. Uh, yeah. Restrictions yeah. for, for London. London became a ghost city, uh, very quiet. Um, you know, it, it, it died, actually, and it's still slowly coming back to life. And uh, again, uh, it's been very challenging to be part of this. I uh, never thought we would ever, ever be into something like this. Yeah. But um, it, yeah. there, there are times when we uh, think about COVID as a unfriendly interruption in things that were planned, anticipated, and uh, we are not sure today how we will be able to recalibrate and recapture what we felt was, you know, beautifully God-ordained uh, planning and preparation and celebrations. You know, I, I think about Nigeria, who is expecting us in a few weeks to come and help celebrate 100 years of the Salvation Army in that country. And, you know, how, how do we bring that full circle and, and get that traction back, get that planning, get that sense of we can do this? Uh, you know, so it, it's been disruptive. Mm -hmm. And if there are any silver linings in COVID, you really have to look for those. And they are there. But certainly we've, we've felt we've missed some things. Mm -hmm. And we don't miss them without a real appreciation for uh, the value of those things, the intersection of people and places, and embracing the army, mm -hmm. which is what we're we're hoping to be doing. So it is unusual. Um, our lives have, have switched and we've become so online and so screen-oriented, mm -hmm. podcast-oriented. <laughs> yes, you with know. a Fight for Good podcast, yeah. Yes, yes. so we, we are virtual almost every day doing something and can't get to South America East to do the Congress, but we're sending greetings, we're sending a short message, we're, you know, um, this is what's happening. We're, we're, we're not out to Bristol to do their 140th anniversary, but we've sent a Bristol message, you know. Uh, so that, that's... Very grateful for technology. Technology. Being, being able to connect mm. that way, you still can't take away from being able to greet people and give them a hug and, and greet the army in a personal way, but uh, grateful we can have the opportunity to be able to share with them. Somewhere in your question, Colonel, there was uh, something around, you know, what, what it's like to lead the army during a time like this. Um, we, we are absolutely continue to be, and maybe we were before COVID, uh, amazed at the army's, um, I'll use the word resilience, because the army serves under hardship 
circumstances sometimes because we're obviously intersecting people and communities at their deepest point of need. And, and I see the army uh, resilient in those instances. The other thing I'd, I'd want to give credit uh, uh, regarding is the courage of leaders, everybody from those at the command territorially all the way down to those who are leading corps and centers. And in that, the, the infrastructure that we have that holds that up is the incredible faithfulness of our people and our supporters. That hasn't changed during COVID. And, and we, we look out through windows of social media and YouTube, and, and we're, just, we're just taken back by the way that our people are standing firm in these days. Interesting, because the army in the U.S., you know, it's almost as if we're getting uh, body blows one after yes. the other with COVID, and now yes. wildfires in California and yep. hurricanes in the south. Yeah, um, and despite it all, um, the army, uh, its contributors, its supporters have come through um, to help, and those folks in the front lines, as you say, are doing courageous work. Um, at the same time, now your worldview, you're seeing body blows on a world scale while we're looking at the U.S. And in your tweets, you know, you talk about <clears throat> the need for change. And I've heard this time described as a, the gift of, of collective desperation. In other words, a time <clears throat> for reevaluating, regaging um, what we're doing. And you stress the idea that it is time for a change. Could you elaborate on that a little bit? Oh, my goodness. If, if you want me to talk about change, we'll have to do part two. Uh, that's, that's okay. That's I, I think our, our listeners would, would like that. Yeah. Uh, interesting to me, you know, as an international leader, um, I, I have to admit I, I'm, I'm followed by the, the aggressive and inevitable nature of change daily. Uh, since I've become the, the international leader of the Salvation Army, I, I, I can't track for you the, the measures of change that I have observed either in how we work, uh, how we are more fluent with regard to technology, how we have changed systems of infrastructure, how we've embraced accountability, uh, that like I guess change is ever present. What is it we used to say? The only constant thing about change is change itself. And I, I think what some of our listeners are looking for is this inevitable question of what's the army going to be like after COVID? What will we have learned and how do we debrief ourselves and how do we pivot is the word of the day and become agile in a post COVID reality. Um, I hope and pray that every territorial uh, leadership team is asking that question. I, I hope every core officer and center leader is asking that question. And perhaps not so much for an international leader to put a frame around that change and what it really needs to look at, look like, but rather those people who are managing mission, they need to check to see that we're doing that 
in a world where relevance is particularly the key uh, pivot point. I don't think there are any boundaries around people today when it comes to how do we get the job done. We are creative. We're entrepreneurial. We, we have people around us who can figure things out. Someone asked me a while ago about change, and I said, do, do you mean that uh, we weren't doing well back in the old normal? And, <laughs> and if, if yeah. that is the evaluation that, uh, my goodness, we weren't fit for purpose in the old normal, then bring on change. Let us, like surely if we're running a program that's reaped no results of kingdom growth, after we get through COVID, we're not going to go back and do that, are we? No, no. I mean, that's not, that's really not the essence of salvationism. I, no. th- thinking back to some of the writings of General Booth, you know, obviously we know the famous quote, that and better will do, but I, I'm always, I'm always reminded of, of when he said, if something's not working, stop it and do something else and do something else. And this, this kind of, I think this, for me, this works into kind of like my own creativity and creative energy. Like we've been challenged. We, like you, we walked away from our offices mid-March. I had a whole plethora of stuff the rest of the year that was just like wiped out. Um, <clears throat> our staff has has yet all to be back uh, together. A few of us are here um, and all of that. But we've produced, we've produced six issues of our magazines of both peer and, and, and war cry. We've produced um, one crest book, another book coming out and two theological journals all in quote unquote, the basements of our staff. So it's like, you, you just have to, the show's going to go on. Let's, let's, let's adapt with that. And so I really, I, I think our listeners would take uh, inspiration from, from your vision and your understanding and, you know, um, vaulting us forward. Let's think about what, what is going to look like. Um, cause that I, I've had people say to me, well, I just wanted to return how it was. And it's never, it's not going to turn. It's not going to return. And, and I think we have to be wise enough to filter out that, which wasn't effective and productive. Uh, you know, I, I believe that, look, we are not, Mega churches. We we are a collection of relatively small groups of people that meet together for worship. That meeting together is a supreme source of what the body of Christ needs to look like in America and in other parts of the world. Uh, you know, I love the phrase that there should be a church close enough that people can walk to. Uh, I like even better my take on that. That. In the brokenness of the world today, we need churches close by that people can actually limp to. And and what we've got going on there is this reality that uh, the Salvation Army is about presence. Uh, and it is about people who know how to, in a broken moment, you know, Place that arm on a shoulder. I, I have visions of 9-11, which we just marked a few weeks ago, and some of the imagery that comes out of that setting. And now to the fires and our chaplains just, you know, standing beside, standing with, and in this socially distanced COVID reality, 
I want to go back to where our presence was felt and known and the human touch was a reality. So, no, I'm, I'm not advocating we leave that behind. But if we were a part of things that consumed our energies, consumed our program time, consumed our finances, that didn't create that kind of outcome of heart and soul, that's what I want us to look at and say, we can do that better. And I, I do, as you say, want to look at, if we can do stuff in our basements, why, why, why can't we do that? Likely more productively. Why can't the general be home on Wednesday for the rest of his life if he can get a better <laughs> sermon for you when I come and visit? Exactly. Exactly. Well, well the, the general... And but keep housekeeping, remember? <laughs> well, you got to create, well, you know, I mean, I'm an advocate for creating space anyways in your sure. life because that's how, you know, things kind of flow. But one of the things that I keep saying over and over uh, to our staff and to other people that listen, I mean, these are some of the days that I am the most proudest to be a Salvation Army officer. There's yeah. just some... And you, you alluded to it earlier. There's a lot of courageous acts... Oh. That are that are happy happening. A lot of self sacrifice. Yeah. Well, um, we're just collecting stories, and we're only catching uh, glimpses. And of course, our our window is is quite a panoramic uh, global window, and, and some of the stuff that we are seeing or the stories that are coming back to us. We we have to say that the, these are the silver linings to to COVID. It wouldn't have happened if COVID weren't affecting our lives the way that it is. So we celebrate what God is doing in the midst of trial and, and difficulty, which he's always done. We're, and we're amazed here. Uh, I mean, we shouldn't be amazed, but it's amazing, you know, how, how God is resourcing the Salvation Army, even yeah. in these unique times. Yes, and, yeah. and also has prepared... Uh, the International Salvation Army. Yes. Uh, I think your American listeners would understand that uh, uh, the Salvation Army operates on a on a helping basis. Like uh, America is one of our key voluntary, generous funders to the International Salvation Army when we're opening new work, when we're trying to do projects in Africa or India or any other part of the world. It takes about 13, 14 of our very affluent territories to support those who are less able to carry the whole financial burden. So amazing how we do this. And at this particular point, the International Salvation Army continues to help uh, without reservation every point of need that emerges around the world. So at this point in time, uh, we are confident that we we are doing really okay with the support of our donor territories. So that, you know, shout out to the Americans and to the wonderful generosity that comes from the four territories and particularly SASO as well. Well, our SASO team is, as you know, it's, it's uh, right below us. It's on our third yeah. floor here and, and they're just, they're, they're operating remotely, but yeah. they're working on all eight cylinders, you know, they're, they're it's the same with our international development department here we created a covid response team and i can't i can't tell you how many extra more projects we're doing and the kind of stuff that we're doing is is 
making sure people are fed, making sure people ha- are able to wash their hands where water is a, is a, is a very, very carefully owned thing. You don't go to a tap all the time. So we've created washing kits and sanitization kits and education programs. This, this is all being endorsed and quickly turned over and efficiently rolled out across the world. And, uh, Salvation Army is doing it well, and I'm very proud of all of our people. Yeah, it makes me think when you early early in your generalship, you when you were in the U.S., you mentioned that there is some resistance in this world of ours to what Christianity is and represents, okay. and that that's a reality that we have to you know be aware of. Yeah. And certainly, polls etc. reveal that to a degree, as in Europe. Yeah. Um, but it's what would you say about the army that makes it authentic in its expression of Christianity? You've touched on this already yeah. in the conversation, but I just thought I'd repeat Look, that I, question. I can, Jeff, I can respond by being a little bit antidotal, if I could. Um, uh, see, it's hard to tell stories if you don't name and, and define realities. We all know that the Army serves in 131 countries, and not all of those countries are, are particularly uh, friendly and pro-Army. Like, we don't have the public favor in some parts of the world like we do in the U.S. Uh, it's just not there. We're a minority in, in the Christian religion group, and yet, you know, um, I can tell you stories about uh, how government or municipal officials have come to the army and said, oh, we don't know what to do with these migrant workers. There are, there are people who've been caught. We have no programs. If we gave you permits for your vehicles, because there's a ban on driving, if we gave you permits, could you help us feed these hundreds and thousands of migrants that can't get home, right? So I say, hands up to that, and off we go. Uh, we look at our hospitals, and people forget we we have nearly a hundred medical expressions around the world. And when you look to Indonesia, where they've already had more tragedy than you care to think about, and you look at India, where we have quite a number of hospitals, and again. Governments are coming to us and saying, can you be a COVID hospital in this particular area? So we're, we're into situations where we have uh, people, government officials, who want to turn their head a little bit because we're a religious organization, who are recognizing that our, our place in the community is a place of helping. And all of a sudden, we, we have new opportunities. COVID is giving the Salvation Army new opportunities never before dreamed of. Commissioner, we we have been following with great interest and trying to uh, report best that we can uh, some of the things that have been coming out of your office. Yeah. We're, we're, we're excited. Could you tell us uh, a little bit? We'll kind of pop out of the COVID thing here and, and just... Uh, Tell us a little bit about the the dreams and some of the dreams that are becoming reality uh, with within a women's ministries worldwide. Sure. Well, it's all part of the uh, change. You talked about the change of the of the army of doing things differently, and I think that's where this vision has come for me. I've been 
I've been in the chair of women's ministries for a number of years. Uh, I have to say, first of all, that women's ministries internationally is very strong. We are a strong uh, part of the International Salvation Army. And in some of the countries, and, you know, I speak from the chair and I'm seeing the international army. Uh, in some countries, if women's ministries didn't exist, uh, we would have a very small Salvation Army there. And so I'm very, very pleased that we were able to uh, to be strong and that we are able to meet the needs of women around the world. But this vision uh, for our 21st century of the reimagining of women's ministries, I've, I've charged the International Salvation Army to reimagine our women's ministries. Um, one of the things that have come to my attention has been uh, uh, young girls and the great needs and challenges for our young girls. And I want us in women's ministry to broaden our vision. So I'm asking them to, to look at what we can do as we move forward for the young girls around the world. Incredible challenges for them and who is really paying attention to them. Uh, we as women can do great things to help them, to influence them, to encourage them, uh, to champion them, to to challenge them. So uh, that's one of the areas we've moved into. And of course, there are many challenges, uh, social injustice in our world for women, and they're overwhelming. And so part of my vision moving forward was to engage, engage say, women uh, that are connected with the Salvation Army into this fight for uh, social justice. Now, we are, we are doing it in many, many ways, but I want to really emphasize the importance of doing it better for the future for women and for girls. And so uh, we've launched um, launched it from uh, international headquarters, and we did it in February, which was absolutely incredible. Not seeing the, the COVID-19 coming, we, uh, we launched this and had a great celebration. Uh, and now, since the COVID, uh, we have been incredibly impressed by what we see happening as women are engaged and uh, looking out for the needs of each other around the world and moving into all areas within the army. They're partnering with uh, so many other social agencies uh, to help meet the needs of the women. I said on that morning that we launched our women's ministry uh, this, I don't want us to be confined by our celebrated history or traditions or any belief that women's ministry must fit a specific format or look a certain way. We've done that over the years. We've got to move out of our comfort zone. So I'm calling the uh, women and men uh, to look around your communities uh, to see what's not working, that, again, no outcomes, and to see what needs to be done, and then move out there and do something, and with love and compassion, um, help meet the needs of our women. I do believe that uh, um, this pandemic has indeed increased our needs and challenges amongst women. And I think as we continue to come out of this uh, pandemic, we will see uh, that there's lots of work for us to do. So be creative, open your eyes. What more can we do um, and meet the needs of women around our world? And I'm quite excited, but I think the future of the International Women's Ministries is, is bright and exciting. So I'm, I'm waiting to see what God is going to do for us. I must say those stories coming out of the of women's ministry are, are amazing. <clears throat> what you are helping women 
uh, do in terms of uh, self-sufficiency and being leaders in their communities through microcredit, et cetera. The, and you, the general talked about resilience earlier, and certainly these William women are demonstrating resilience. Um, and it's it's a it's a marvelous thing, and, and the army is crossing boundaries. Mm. Yeah. And I think of those women fighting those cultural boundaries and overcoming yes. them. So yes. it's just great. It's great work. Yeah, mm. yeah. We're we're very proud of what's happening, and looking forward to even greater things yeah. into the future. Jeff, you you probably would know this, but the Salvation Army is kind of out of balance numerically, where we have more women involved in our Salvation Army at literally every level that you could possibly think of in our officer contingency, in our soldier contingency, in our membership, even down to volunteers. Women lead and have influence. And I'm not certain, and I'm speaking now as general and as a male leader, we've given due credit to the backbone of this thing that we call Salvation Army. Mm. So I want to give a shout out to all the ladies who might be listening. Uh, I am very mindful of the place that you take, Mm. and I am committed to, with Rosalie, making sure that that's not only encouraged and developed, but also recognized. We've had great feedback from around the world uh, with this uh, whole idea that we can look around and... uh, and we can see new things. Uh, it's a day of doing new things. And let's see what we can do uh, through the help of God in reaching out to people that are in great need. And we can do that. We can do that well. Well, that was our first half of our interview with General and Commissioner Peddle. Jeff, there's a lot more to come in the second uh, portion which would be episode number 56. Uh, What were uh, a couple of quick impressions you had of our time with the Petals? Well, uh, General Petal discussed his role as a leader and how he influences leaders and influencers. And he respects uh, what the Army is doing around the world um, and has so many stories that he's been uh, privy to about what the Army's doing in unique ways around the globe to address human need. Um, and then Commissioner um, Petal discussed what the importance of, of women in the Salvation Army and how women are helping change the world and how reimagining women's ministries is helping to promote that change. Um, yeah, there, and then they discussed, talk about their, their love of children and the topics facing the Army that the Army is wrestling with. So there's a, a lot of uh, rich uh, conversation that we had. So we'll, we hope uh, you'll join us for the second part of this uh, podcast coming up shortly. Well, that's going to end this episode of the Fight for Good podcast. Be sure to subscribe to Fight for Good wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't, to, don't forget to follow us at the War Cry and Peer Magazine. Warcry, our web spot is www.thewarcry.org, and Peer Magazine is peermag.org. Uh, lots of good stuff on both those websites that are not in the printed version. And for those of you that may not subscribe to the magazines, there's information there for you to subscribe as well. You can also follow us. We're very active on Facebook, on Instagram, Twitter, and even with Pinterest. Yes. 
interest. So that's great. So check us out there. Well, until next time, this has been the Fight for Good podcast. Bye for now. Subscribe to Fight for Good wherever you listen to podcasts.